Well, I promised you a historical conversation today, one of importance to our community uh, that you can't imagine. Anybody who lived through it, and I as a kid did, um, will remember just how important the episode we're about to discuss is. David Jacobson is in our studio. He's a longtime OHEL board member and former OHEL base Ezra president. I'm wondering if you were ever, good morning, first of all. Good morning. And I'm wondering if you were ever on the air before. We know each other for so long. We love seeing each other at all these events. And I'm wondering if you were ever on the air before. I've never had the privilege. This is the first here. time. Yeah, this is amazing. Amazing is right. Usher Fogel is here. He's OHEL's chief operating officer. I welcome you as well. Good morning. Good morning. Nice to have you here. They'll, of course, both be at the big gala coming up on Sunday night. And one of the... Stories that will be told in detail Sunday night that we get a chance to discuss today has to do with one of the honorees. Base, uh, the, the founder of Base Ezra, uh, Rabbi Philip Goldberg, uh, and Rebetzin Malka Goldberg are being presented with the Pioneers of Advocacy Award. That is an understatement to call them simply advocates, right? That is an understatement. And David will explain in a moment. And, of course, Usher Fogel as well. Uh, you could be there, of course, Sunday night, ohelfamily.org. OLFamily.org. I've said this a million times if you're a long-time listener, but yesterday at the Stay Road dinner, I was reminded by many listeners that there are a lot of not long-time listeners, so we should reiterate for them and get them in on some of the uh, uh, secrets of the trade that we've revealed. One of those secrets is uh, that if you're going to go to one dinner or uh, just a handful of dinners each year, make OHEL one of them. It's one of the most inspiring nights of the year. And it's just a, a program that, uh, well, frankly, brings people to tears, and rightfully so, because of the work they're doing. And we can't say enough about that work. All right, David Jacobson, take us back. Why are Rabbi Philip and Rebetzin Malka Goldberg being honored by OHEL this coming dinner? Well, this is an, an old, old saga that must be told. Near 40 years ago, when Rabbi Goldberg was chaplain at Willowbrook, there was an expose, a very famous expose that was on television and all over the media about the clients in Willowbrook that were mistreated, unfortunately mistreated. And Rabbi Goldberg, being a, the Jewish chaplain in Willowbrook, uh, was on the forefront of trying to change this. And he many, starts many there in the mid-50s. People have to, get, have to get this historical perspective. Right. Young people listening won't even believe that an institution like this existed in New York State, the way it was operated. So we've got to put everything in perspective. It's the mid-50s. He's the chaplain. It's a facility that would normally hold, what, 1,000 people, 2,000, something like that? It held near 6,000. And it had 6,000, right? In the facility. 1,400 of those people were Jewish. Wow. Rabbi Goldberg was charged with maintaining the Yiddishkeit for 1,400 clients in this facility. Uh, many of them were fully capable of Mekayim mitzvahs. They were uh, taken to the facility as babies. Many times families could not handle it or didn't know how to handle it. And again, different environment those in days. Do, right. In those days, families were frightened. Uh, they were not capable of dealing with the trauma of a child with disabilities such as those. Their own medical consultations told them to literally put them away. I hate Absolutely. to use expressions like that. Doctors That's in the on. hospitals right. actually told them to leave the children and they will uh, bring them over to institutions. Right. Uh, we know that today the tenor has changed. This has all changed and this is only because oh, of what Rabbi world. Goldberg yeah. began to do back in Willowbrook f- over 40 years ago. But uh, bringing it closer to our time, about 37 years ago, Rabbi Goldberg became a great advocate for this change and wanted to do this both politically and legislatively and legally to prevent uh, the loss of these Jewish children to the outside world, uh, meaning that they should not be converted. What had happened was there were children taken into foster care from Willowbrook. 
And they were converted by the parents in the houses where they were residing. Well, they were not going to Jewish homes. You know? Correct. We're so used to Ohel taking care of everybody and making sure that they're directed to Jewish homes these days. This is before Ohel existed. Correct. Way before Ohel existed. Uh, when 700 of the 1,400 clients were already gone from Willowbrook, Rabbi Goldberg was at wit's end, and clearly he knew that it was... It was the end. He had to do something. He must do something. So he ran around to different places, uh, different Jewish organizations, who in themselves in those times were very fledgling organizations. They barely had the assets to keep their own doors open. And he told them of the plight of these young people and, and uh, <clears throat> requested support to get them out of there to find foster homes and group homes. Uh, there was a, a uh, decree by... Uh, by a, uh, an assemblyman by the name of Padovin, I'm sorry, a senator by the name of Padovin. Padovin wrote a law that uh, essentially protected the religious rights of the clients right. in across these the board. Across the, the board. Right. Uh, this bill, this was back in 1977. Rabbi Goldberg then uh, uh, read this law as it was written. He went to Dennis Raps at Culpa, and Dennis rewrote a portion of the law to protect the Jewish clients, and in effect, it said that anybody being maintained in a foster care or in a state facility uh, would need parental consent before they could be converted. And that obviously a very important landmark absolutely, legislation. Absolutely. So that this stopped in its tracks the conversion right. of the Jewish clients. Now, these clients were simply abandoned in Willowbrook because there was nowhere else to go. So Rabbi Goldberg went on a great campaign to try and find facilities for them. Prior to this, and prior to 77, non-Jewish facilities were opening one after another, and they were taking in the Jewish clients. And this was happening because of the investigation of Willowbrook. In that other is, words, that, at what point did they, they just close down Willowbrook at some point, right? Well, the stimulation was because of the the investigation, this public right. outcry, right. and they eventually did close the facility when they emptied right. it out. And Willowbrook is located in Staten Island. And it's not like it's you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's right here, it's next it's door. Right people people could still see it, right, right in front of us. In it's fact, still there. Oh, of course, it's there. The facility stands. Uh, there was years where Rabbi Goldberg, after the Verizon was built, and he lived in Borough Park, would walk on Yom Tovim. To, to be with the clients? To be with the clients. He walked across the Verrazano Bridge, which does not have a walkway, <laughs> and he arranged with the police to escort him across the bridge. There was a police car in front of him and a police car behind him, and they closed the right lane, and he would walk the entire bridge, and they would bring him to Willowbrook as he walked. <laughs> For hours. See, that's why to, I say pioneers of advocacy to get award. To his client, these things don't it, it's really happen. It's got to be pioneer, today. a revolutionary of the year award, yeah, maybe. Th maybe. This is an incredible that. man. Uh, for of course, he had his own family. He has three sons, uh, three beautiful sons who lived through this and watched him do this. Uh, Rabbi Goldberg in those years would bring clients home with him. Right. They ate at his table. He brought them up to the bungalow colony. They would push the carriages and be part of his family. Nobody understood it. Nobody accepted it. They couldn't believe that the man was doing these things. The Rebbitson fed them. Uh, they sat at her table. The Rebbitson, to this day, and I know this for a fact, still answers calls from the clients from yesteryear. She talks to them. She... Uh, I'm sure she wouldn't want me to say this, but I will say it. Uh, if they need a few dollars to uh, buy candy, whatever, she will send them the money. Right. We, we haven't even spoken about his founding of Bay Ezra, which no, also we'll required him to get the money. And we'll talk about that in a moment. We should also mention that those who will be in attendance Sunday night, there will actually be a feature short film, which is riveting, based on what I hear. Uh, that will tell this entire story. And um, Usher Fogel or David Jacobson, just could we step back for a moment, just give an overview about what Willowbrook did 
uh, for the entire special needs community, developmentally disabled. And this was something that was not geared, you know, to as a Jewish problem. This was something overcrowding, maltreatment. Uh, it, it revolutionized the whole the whole way that people in those types of situations were dealt with. Families had difficulty when a child with a developmental disability was born. And as David said before, when you went to your pediatrician in the hospital, the pediatrician said, take this child, put this child in an institution. Right. And they were saying this in other communities as well. Yeah. Right. Any, any Anybody, child right. with developmental disability, put, uh, put the child in an institution and forget that this child existed. And many families came home after childbirth and they told the siblings, and uh, sorry, you know, I gave birth, but uh, your brother, your sister died right. in childbirth. And, and they're gone. That's and it. you didn't have a brother, sister. Right. And this created a great demand for care for uh, these individuals. And they needed uh, significant care. They needed, And so they were placed in institutions. And these institutions were tremendously overcrowded. There were, and treatment for development disabled was not given uh, to them until Geraldo Rivera created this public outcry and then they started to help and do treatment and the treatment was extremely effective right. and people grew. And, and, th- and this made a change across the entire country. It made a change across the entire country right. and it made a change for people's lives, right. their living lives, and they were able to live for the people that uh, Oho and Beisezer serves, Jewish lives. They right. had Chavez, they had Kashras, and they were growing and being part of the community just like our, every one of our brothers and sisters. All right, it's Usher Fogel, David Jacobson are here. You know, it's funny, in my mind, as we're having this discussion, I have a split screen. I have this scene that Usher Fogel just uh, 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 painted for us about what was going on in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And on the other side, I'm thinking of what my kids know about the development of the disabled, the, the Ohel home on East Broadway, and you know the, the way they are treated and the way the counselors take care of them with such care. It, it's just a complete 360. It's a complete change in the way that certainly our community, but even across the board in the U.S., is dealing with this situation. Let me talk about the very first home. You'll understand how this co- develops. Uh, Rabbi Goldberg ran around for years trying to get Jewish organizations to build homes, support homes. And, of course, they didn't know anything about this. They couldn't understand what this was all about. And I don't blame any Jewish organization for being frightened. Uh, There are still people today who are frightened, unfortunately, when they see developmental disabilities. It's just that it was the the tenor of the time. People understood this to be a frightening situation, and they, they refused to deal with it. Rabbi Goldberg persisted. He ultimately walked into Ohel and introduced this to Ohel. Ohel was how old then? Three, four years old? Uh, I mean, around then? Yeah, approximately four years old. Just a few years old. Approximately four years old. And Ohel was strained financially. I recall in those years. You're already on the board at that point? No, I came on. I was the fifth board member of Beis Ezra. Uh, so a couple of years later? A couple of years later. It took him two years before Rabbi Goldberg realized that he had to take this upon himself personally. Right. Otherwise so it wouldn't get done. he went to find a, a home. He found a home on 12th Avenue in Borough Park. <laughs> and the only reason the community board agreed to permit him to bring a, a developmental disability client, developmental disabled clients into this home was because that house was abandoned and was used as a drug den. So they, so they figured it's an upgrade, well, huh? This was going to be a, <laughs> a, 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 a bigger upgrade. Right. So uh, he again went back to try and get a mortgage to buy the house. Nobody would give him a mortgage. Nobody would lend him money. So he personally, he and the Rebbitson put up the money, for the deposit for the uh, the purchase of the group home, 
and construction began. The state at that time began funding group homes, uh, and uh, soon thereafter, uh, I'll fast forward till 1979, the group home uh, it, was, it was introduced to the community. There were four original board members. Rabbi Goldberg was there. Uh, Dr. Phil Kippis was there. The late Rabbi Avraham Rosenfeld was there, and a fourth board member who unfortunately did not attend that meeting. Uh, but those three gentlemen, with Lester Kaufman, who was at the uh, time the executive director of OHEL, sure. attended this magical meeting. They decided on the name Base Ezra. They hired a, a program director and started to try, they tried to fill the home. Now the, the, the decree that came in from Albany was that there would be ten clients in the house. Five of those clients would come from the uh, state institutions, in our case Willowbrook, and five would come from the community itself. And they thought that this would be the way to have the community accept mm-hmm. the group home in its midst. Uh, my family received a call at that time. My sister-in-law is developmentally disabled, and she's also profoundly deaf, and she has this dual disability, and yet Rabbi Goldberg knew of her and called our family and asked if we would be interested in having her join in the group home as one of the five first community clients. Parents were reluctant to do this, but my family and my in-laws, for sure, who are the most bravest of people, decided to join this experiment. And my my sister-in-law, Merrill moved into the home. She never wanted to come home. In fact, they, uh, they told her that she should come just for Shabbos to <laughs> experience one weekend there and then see what happens. So she packed a small bag. Uh, she was dropped off at the home, and when Sunday came, she told my in-law she was not going back. She said, this is where I want to live. And she stayed. It was a magical moment for our entire family. Uh, my wife, Susan, grew up in a house with a sister with disabilities, and none of us could believe that such a thing could have happened. Uh, Rabbi Goldberg became the icon of chesed. You know, we talk about people with a... Uh, golden Heart. Some people have hearts of stone, but Golden Heart. Rabbi Goldberg and the Rebbitson, they go beyond uh, hearts of gold. They have hearts of tears. And they understood the plight of these parents. Uh, what they accomplished was just uh, superb. Unbelievable. Immediately at that meeting, they decided to try and open up additional homes. Uh, I was at the second board meeting, and I was overwhelmed with the type of people who were sitting there, there was uh, an election. Phil Goldberg refused to be president, <laughs> uh, typical of Rabbi Goldberg. And he said that Avram Shalom Rosenfeld should be president. So he was elected. Avram Shalom was a tremendous man of great chesed. He was on the OHEL board. He resigned OHEL to sit on the base Ezra board, which was, at the time was a separate corporation. And uh, tragically, he passed away some few years later. And uh, that very first group home on 12th Avenue was named L'Zeich Nishmas Havram Shalom Rosenfeld. And and you remember the home well, obviously. I remember it vividly. We were involved in those meetings. This little tiny board uh, sat down and made up the menus and decided uh, where everyone was going to go. The board on, doesn't do that uh, these group days, trips. does it? Uh, today, of course, I mean, Asha could tell you the size of the Oko Ezra program. It's just an enormous program. Uh, one of the great moments that you should understand that Rabbi Goldberg just glowed was when we were asked to uh, teach the professionals in Eretz Israel how to develop and run group homes. Wow. And a group of people came from Eretz Israel, 
entered into the Beis Ezra home, the very first home on 12th Avenue, and sat there in amazement as Rabbi Goldberg told the saga of what had happened. And, of course, he wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't say anything bad. Right. Uh, and they, they truly enjoyed the introduction of group homes into a community that they knew they were going to bring back to Eretz Israel. And today it's a great movement in Eretz Israel. Of only course. because of what Rabbi Goldberg started here. Talk about a ripple effect, huh? Absolutely. Unbelievable. And now today we have how many homes? Yeah, that's my next question. What are we up to? Anybody know an exact <laughs> statistic on this, what we're up the to? The exact statistic <laughs> is we have over 129 uh, residences in Ohel Base Ezra. Not all of them are homes. Some of them are apartments. And we serve hundreds and hundreds of people in these uh, homes and, and residences. What was going to be my guess? If you would have asked me how many are Elvis says, I was thinking well, 20, people, yeah, 30. Yeah, most people think 20 or 30. 129? Right. Yes, right. not all of them are homes. Some are apartments. Understood, but we know how that works. It's, it's uh, I mean, you're accommodating based on the needs of the client. Right. Some, some time ago, we were trying to figure out how many people are actually affected daily. Right. And I'm going back probably 10 years ago. We came up with a number of 3,000. So today it's yeah, exponentially it's greater. It's 5,000 today. 5,000 people affected on a daily basis by Ohel Beis Ezra. It's, uh, it's an institution that uh, so has changed the entire community. It has given birth, as we all know, to the idea of a Camp Cayley. Right. Uh, where integration, integration. I mean, imagine of, the difference again. Yeah. Standard children, right. children without disabilities, and children with disabilities are joined together in a camp where their sisters and brothers and uh, just the most amazing relationships that are de- being developed there, to a point where the developmental disabilities that are seen there are not just accepted, but they're understood to be part right. of our community. Finally understood, and this has changed forever. So now our children will go on, our grandchildren will go on to see this in an entirely different time frame and a different picture than the Goldbergs had seen decades and decades ago when they saw the suffering and, and the lack of communication with people with disabilities. If Herbert Goldberg was here this morning, I wonder how he would react hearing 129 if I asked him for his reaction to that number he, today. He would be embarrassed. He would be embarrassed. He, would, he yes. wouldn't take any of the credit, no, would he? No, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. David Jacobson, Usher Fogel in our studio. It's JM in the AM with a reminder that Sunday night, this is one of the features of a very, very packed program at the Ohel Dinner. It's always an inspirational night. Uh, David, you've been to every one of these. You know it's inspirational. Uh, it's, absolutely. It's, and I've, I've been thrown out of community board meetings when we introduced <laughs> uh, group homes in different communities. Uh, we were threatened. Rabbi Goldberg was run out of meetings. So sometimes physically, you have to fight for it, Physically huh? threatened at meetings. Uh, he persisted, and, of course, he won every single battle. Uh, Rabbi Goldberg is an incredible human being. Incredible. Uh, people don't know that this man stands out in our community as the icon of chesed, the icon of chesed. You can say it a million times. It's, it's just understated. He's never, ever asked for any recognition. Uh, it's a wonder that he's accepting the recognition at the forthcoming dinner. You are honoring and paying tribute, and in, L'Havdom in, and Chaim of course, in Rebbitz and Lublin's case, uh, she's no longer with us, but you're paying tribute that night to real pillars of chesed. I mean, absolutely. You're talking about legends. 
Yes. Real revolutionaries. Uh, phone number at OHEL for information about Sunday is 718-686-3284, 718-686-3284. And obviously you can go on the web at ohelfamily.org, ohelfamily.org. That teaser about the story that I saw this morning is available to the public, right? Is it on the OHEL website? It's on the OHEL website if you want to see Usher Fogel and others discuss, and Rabbi Goldberg himself discuss this whole uh, Willowbrook scenario. Two important things that I'd like to uh, mention. One, uh, as we spoke before, at that time it was not popular uh, to uh, <laughs> help people with development of disabilities. And there was a family in Willowbrook who had a daughter, <coughs> and they were nervous about taking her out of the institution because they didn't want their name known that they had a sibling with developmental disabilities. So Rabbi Goldberg said, okay, don't worry, her name will never be known. And there is a Goldberg now living in one of our homes who carries Rabbi Goldberg's name and not the family's name. And now she's with her, her sisters in a home. She has Kasha, she has Shabbos, and she's grown tremendously. So this Goldberg is not Goldberg, but it's Rabbi Goldberg using his name to get someone into the house. Uh, and, <laughs> and one more uh, thing that OHEL does, and it's really very important. I personally have trained many other agency heads in how, and how to develop group homes and how to treat uh, people with developmental disabilities. So we don't do it just for OHEL itself. You're the model at this point. Uh, they, just David said right. people come, came to us and so right. people in New York City who run group homes now have been trained personally by me and by uh, my colleagues at OHEL. And to end with my comments, one story in terms of Camp Cayley. Camp Cayley, it takes the opposite (laughs) approach to Willowbrook. And in Camp Cayley, when I went to visit, there was a girl, the typical girl, and she came over to me and says, you know, I really didn't know I could be friends with someone, and she pointed to someone with developmental disabilities, and she was her friend on Shabbos Day, were together, she went to her bunk, and she says, I really didn't know. So we went from segregation, uh, lack of treatment, to, hi, this is my friend, which is what we're all about in Kaya. It's unbelievable. I want to expound on that, just one little tiny uh, vignette. At the end of the girls' trip, which is the second trip of the summer, uh, one of the developmental disabled uh, campers went over to her counselor on the last day of camp and said, could I tell you a secret? And she said, sure. She said, well, you, you won't tell anybody, will you? She said, absolutely not. She said, I just want you to know that I have Down syndrome. <laughs> now, this girl was there for an entire month, and not one person, not one camper, ever not, alluded to ever it. alluded or, or mentioned it or treated her any different than anyone else. It's It's... Beyond understanding, given the times that we came from. Right, that's why today. this morning is so important to me, because I am thinking of the, the difference, which, of course, again, the next generation doesn't even realize. You know, they think what you're describing is normal. The world we grew up in, it was not normal to be in a camp. It Kaley was a type terrible situation. time. Exactly. Ago, a terrible in, this, time. in that industry, it was an awful time. Yes. Across the board, around the entire world, essentially. Oh, hell, uh, 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 dinner information at ohlfamily.org. David Jacobson, longtime OHL board member, former OL base Ezra president, uh, is in our studio. His sister-in-law is a former resident. Is a resident. Currently. No, but I was, uh, was going to say former resident of Willowbrook. Is that No, uh, no, no. No, she, not she was a community resident. Okay, community from resident home. who now lives in OHL base Ezra's, is, would it be 43rd Street? Saint, yeah, 12th Avenue, 43rd Street. She's there to this day. That's a long time. Absolutely. 
That's her it's home. It's really her That's home. her home. At Usher Fogel, OHL's chief operating officer are both here. The Goldbergs, Rebitson, uh, Amalka, and Rabbi Philip Goldberg get the Pioneers of Advocacy Award. As OHL Base says, we're founders this coming Sunday night, and this is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web, jmnam.org. So the lesson from this morning is that one person can make an insane difference out there, huh? One person could change the world. It is unbelievable. We don't know. When we, when we wake up in the morning, we have, every one of us has an opportunity. Uh, we should, we should tackle it. We should do something to, to, to change the world. Try. When, we have when, to try. And when you think about it, he was advocating for these clients uh, on all these different levels. Community, fundraising, government. Like he, he's using and, every- and a personal level. He, right. put, he put his uh, money right up front to change this world. Uh, he deserves the accolades that we'll present to him at the OHL dinner. Uh, I can't believe we will not have a packed room, standing room only, oh, gosh. Uh, just for the benefit of the Goldbergs. They are people that must be must be recognized. Uh, they're not babies anymore. They're not young people anymore. They're they're grandparents. Uh, they uh, they they just stand out. They're brilliant people. Right. Goldberg is a hero, and Claudio owes him a great great debt of gratitude. That is for sure. Uh, I, I don't know if the two of you know the answer to this, but is, is it possible that state officials or those who would recognize the greatness of someone like Rabbi Goldberg would be there Sunday night? Like, would they? We're having state officials come. Yes. So they know this story. They know. They know that he had a ripple effect not yes. just in the Jewish world but everywhere. At the rededication of the 12th Avenue home, uh, the home of being you know many decades old was right. remodeled to uh, accommodate the needs, the growing needs of the uh, ten clients who were aging. And needed an elevator, so that the uh, home was dramatically renovated. And at that rededication ceremony, the state did show up, and the story was told about Rabbi Goldberg. And they themselves sat with their mouths open. Uh, he's a special <laughs> human being. The Rebitson, of course, supports him, and the, their children and uh, grandchildren all, I'm sure, understand that they have very special, very special people. Who's choosing the counselors for the individual homes? Is that the responsibility of the home head, or does that happen at the OHEL office in Brooklyn? How does it work when uh, when you're looking for counselors for the individual homes? We have a whole uh, personnel department, human resources department, that helps recruit, and then the managers of the homes make the decision on who uh, should be working in that home. The reason I ask is both of you know that almost every Shabbos I meet up with these counselors because we're on East Broadway, and... Very impressive group. I mean, whoever's whoever's doing the choosing, obviously spending a lot of time finding the cream of the crop out there. The cream of the crop is a big cream of the crop. How many employees do we have today? Probably around 1,300. I might be off a little. 1,300. It's, uh, how, many vo- <laughs> how many volunteers? I don't even know. <laughs> so is many. it in the thousands of volunteers? <laughs> Hundreds? I, I thousands? Don't know. Over a thousand know. volunteers. Over a thousand. Ohelfamily.org for information. We'll see you Sunday night. It's always an amazing gathering. And this year, of course, the Angel of Mercy Memorial Tribute to uh, Mrs. Lubling. Uh, you heard about the pioneers of advocacy. Uh, rightfully so. They're being recognized Sunday night. Rebitson Malka and Rabbi Philip Goldberg. We spoke with uh, Abraham Banda and the uh, his amazing work with pomegranate and amazing work in the area of Chesed. And Richard Bernstein, who's been on our show, he was on JM and the AM when we were down in uh, Florida one of these uh, Januaries.
uh, broadcasting from there. He's a Michigan Supreme Court nominee and disability rights activist, a great speaker. He is blind. He's a great speaker, and he'll be one of your keynotes on Sunday night. So a lot of great things happening on Sunday looking night. Looking forward to saying hello to everyone who's there. Yes, looking forward to seeing you there. Usher Fogel, David Jacobson, Yasha Koch, a great tribute this morning here at JM of the AM. Thank, Thank you. you. Much appreciated. More coming up. Keep it at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web, jamandtheam.org.